Happy New Year. Ha! Yeah, I, I guess we're live. Let me just double check. Yes, we are live. Okay, so good evening, everybody. Um, I'm Dustin Coiner here from Tr Track Days here in Southern California. And um, I'm on tonight with the segment called Ask the Privateer with... Howdy, how you doing, Dustin? It's been a while. Yeah, it's been a while. I mean, truthfully, like, I, I've known you probably since 16. Um, I met you at Laguna Seca during the KTM 390 Cup stuff. Mm -hmm. And um, what's weird about that is that your voice is still the same. Uh, you know... <laughs> I haven't grown at all since then. I, I've thinned out a little bit. I'm actually less weight than I was then. Back then, I was oh, just a right? little bowling ball. I was circle, just, you know, I was great in the gravel traps, just rolling over. It was perfect. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Did you, like, uh, did your parents, like, wrap up your whole body like uh, like they used to do with the Japanese women's feet or something? Like, what happened there? Uh, I guess I'm missing something, <laughs> you know, too much bread or coffee. Uh, too much bread? I don't think so. But coffee, maybe. They start drinking you coffee like at 14 or something, 12. Dude, those ice vanilla lattes, Starbucks had it marketed perfect just for those white girls and me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly the answer I was thinking I was going to get from you. So, you know what? You've been racing for a, quite a while. You you did the, the pro thing starting in 16 with the 390 Cup, but, you know... Uh, when did you actually start racing? Because I heard a little something from Gray Fam about you guys. Oh, boy. It goes all the way back to maybe pocket bikes. Yeah. I, you know, I, I don't like to talk about it a whole lot. But, yeah, I started on pocket bikes. Those little tiny itty-bitty Chinese things. I think I had one of those really cool blottas, you know, Italian made okay. or something. Yeah, I started off on those and worked my way up through the mini moto scene, then over to Supermoto, yeah. and that's how I made the transition to Big Track. Right on. So, uh, were you racing on the big track before the 390 Cup thing, or what were you doing? Yeah, I did a, a year and a half, I want to say, on an R3. We got an R3 and just spent a season at AFM doing some track days and just getting into it. I mean, uh, we were close with Ezra before then. We grew. I spent a lot of time with Ezra ever since Supermotos. We became buddies, and we hooked yeah. up. Um, but he did the first year with the RC cup and we're like, ah, oh, that's what we need to get into. Well, however, to get there is what we needed. Nice. Nice. So, you know, going back to those, those days, you know, um, gray, gray fam was saying that you, you guys, um, you guys raced all the way back then, did the pocket bike thing or whatever, but you guys have stayed pretty good friends since then. Yeah. Yeah, no, Gray and I have been super close. Like, he's come here and stayed at my house a couple times. You know, Pete and Tracy, they've always been, like, another set of parents to me. They introduced me to to ride mountain bikes. I, I think I flew down to them when I just turned 13, and they and Pete put me on a mountain bike with Gray, and I was like, forget riding motorcycles. This is what I want to do. But, no, like, we've always been really close, and, you know, Gray's kind of – taken a little different path from racing but we've always stayed in touch and been able to uh keep doing with what we're doing so okay let, let's uh before i get it you know what fuck it i'll just i'll just say what uh the boys said all right you ready for this I'm all right ready. so like i said i re i reached out to g3 
uh, Gabriel Hernandez the third, and then uh, Ruben Casares mm-hmm. and Gray Fam. And I was like, hey, you guys, you know, give me a little something, something, right? Okay, so take a deep breath. This is what this is what G three said, and you know what G three and Ruben they responded to me basically in the exact way that they used to ride, and it was amazing. Like Lily, Lily and I last night had a whole moment about it because, you know, G three was such a calculated, talented rider, right? Mm-hmm. And whereas Ruben, Ruben kind of rode more by his balls, basically, right? Like kind of like Ezra, right? Yeah, right. Similar. So um, G3 said something like, it didn't really race that much, but we were in different packs. It was his way of being nice of saying that he was in front of you, but yeah. without saying it. That's totally G3, right? So I just <laughs> we were just in different packs. This is all NSRs. Like, I can tell you what, when we were all little, we had two different divisions. There was NorCal and then there was SoCal. And we'd always yeah. like square up against each other, be like, oh, okay, well, this guy's doing this time here. Oh, he thinks he's so cool. Oh, he's got his helmet on his gra- on the ground or he's scraping elbow. He's badass. Oh, and like, I can tell you what, when we were racing NSRs, I was fucking terrible. Like we had <laughs> up in our pack, there was Brendan Kettleson, uh, Rocco Landers, a kid named Fernando, Alonzo, and then Ezra raced one race against me on an NSR, and I whole nother story. He's <laughs> never raced before. I was kicking his ass all weekend long, show up to the race, and Ezra beats me by, I don't know, a straightaway's length, and it was just crushed my dreams. NSRs were not my thing, but I can tell you what, we were like, oh, you know, the, those SoCal kids, we're going to we're going to fuck them up. They ain't got nothing on us. And let me just tell you, every time I went and raced against Gabe and Ruben, I got my ass handed to me. But Gray, Gray, I think we had a couple more battles. Yeah. Well, I mean, the thing is, like, you and Gray both kind of took a little bit to get going, right? I mean, um, uh, you know, G3 and Ruben were down here getting smacked down by adults, for a long time before you guys came down, right? Yeah. Um, so, and G3, you know, obviously, you know, he went to the Rookies Cup thing, right? So, like, he's, you know. But um, anyway, so now for what Ruben had to say. You're going to love what Ruben had to say because the way he said it, <clears throat> it reminded me of exactly the way he rode. <laughs> so he said, um, he said he remembers uh, he used to beat up on you pretty good. Oh, yeah. And then at one point, at some point, you got your shit together and you started whooping his ass, and that was it. So, that, I mean, is that not Ruben or what? That is 100% Ruben. Oh, like, I, I don't think ever in minis I was able to be anywhere close to him, but once we got on the bigger bikes, it was game over. Yeah, and then obviously Gray said, um, basically a mirror image of what you said you know basically like you guys your whole family is like fa- like a second family to each mm-hmm. other so um you know typical kind of the way he rode too like his answer to me was more emotional yeah for sure <laughs> and he's got to think okay. it all out and everything yeah yeah like super calculated all that right so you know what it what is it that keeps you going right because those guys they, they came up with you and you know obviously ezra's still doing ezra's things 
but um, how is it? How is it that you're still able to make the grids and stuff and continue doing what you're doing instead of like going, okay, I've got to get a real job now, like the boys, right? I mean, you know, I think most of it's just passion. Um, I absolutely love doing this, and it's it's easy to sit here and go, oh, you know, I see how much money I'm putting into this time, effort, and you know, it's not paying off, like. I quit racing, uh, I want to say at the end of 2019, I, I broke my wrist, I destroyed two R6s at the season finale of Moto America at Barber, and I, I felt like I was finally picking up racing 600s, and after that, I was like, I'm, I'm done, I, I'm over it, I've spent way too much money doing this, and you know, we hit COVID, and I had an opportunity come up with uh, Chris McGuire and Jesse Keller, they wanted to put a program together um, for me to come race AFM. And I was like, you know what? I got to come back. Like I miss it. I want to do it. And I put my own program together, ran it out of, uh, Jesse's garage. And, you know, I, I can't stay away. I, I love it too much. And I was so happy to make it back into Moto America. And, you know, I, I feel like my hard work and just time and blood and sweat and tears that I put into it has finally paid off a little bit, but I, I don't want to give up on this. So, so was that for 21? Uh, when I put that program together it was 2020. Oh, it was 2020. Okay. Yeah. Cause I remember coming back, I, you know, I raced my R1 at Thunderhill, um, a couple times uh, in 2021. And I remember seeing you there obviously, mm -hmm. but yeah, I mean, it, you know, so you raced that Cowie both those years. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. Okay. So you know, you, I'm just going to go right into it then. You know, you, you basically, in 2021, you were the AFM number one plate holder and yeah, or you won the number one plate, right? Yep. And, um, most of your battles, I mean, dude, you're on a 600. How do you win? AFMs are arguably the most competitive racing club in the country, you know, at least that's what they tell people. <laughs> um, right. Exactly. Um, you know, it's it's like I mean, dude, it's it, AFM is no joke. You go there and it, like you know, like it's it's fast. And to go there and earn the number one plate there, that's on that's itself a, a giant feat, right? And then, but you did it on a six hundred. Like, how how the hell did you do that? It was uh, a tough tough thing to do for sure. Like we. Uh set these goals up in 2020. We're like, all right, this is what we're going to do. And, you know, I had a great team behind me and I've never won a championship before in my life up until this point, never been able to put a season together or have everything go the way I need it to. And Jesse put me on the right path and between the support from Chris and Corey at CT racing. We just kept hammering down. I actually never won a race in 2021 to make that happen. I was between me battling with Bryce and battling with Ezra, Ezra had one uh, DNF, and he, I, I think he, you know, my my opinion was I made my way around Ezra and started pulling away. So all of a sudden he had a bike issue, and it just he pulled off the side oh, of the racetrack. I, wow! I think he rage quit, in my opinion. But, I'm gonna have to write this down, and I'm gonna have to. Uh, should I should I should I send him the link and have him chime in? Yeah, you should. <laughs> Put put them on the podcast now. We'll we'll, we'll get this oh out right now. God. But uh, no, like that race in particular, I finished uh, second and a half behind Bryce Prince over the 
13, 14 lap race. Um, and honestly, I feel like the way I rode with that ZX6 was the best riding I've ever done. I mean, dude, I, you know, I had no idea. I was lost when I, when I first went to Thunder Hill, I, you know, I had never been there and I was like, dude, this place is weird. What is going on? You're used and I to, to flat Ezra. button Willow, just dead flat. Well, yeah. And Chuck Waller, Willow right? Bombs. And Willow, yeah. Willow yeah. Springs, right? So, you know, I ask Ezra and Ezra's like, yeah, dude, you just got to like, you know, and I'm like, what dude? Like that? I can't ride that way, dude. So I knew you were, <laughs> I knew you were better at this than that. So I was like, dude, you know, and you told me some stuff and I, I immediately went faster. I was like, okay. That's gotta gotta talk to the thinking man's writer, not the other way around. You, you know? know it. You just gotta throw it out into the corner and like turn and then like get to the next corner. That's all you gotta do and close your eyes. That's it. You just fucking hit the thing third gear pin, bro. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, it's um, you know, it's it's it was a huge ordeal, you know, and and you you came away with the AFM number one plate, so, um, you know, what? I'm gonna I'm just gonna pause that line of conversation for just a second, yeah, uh, because I was just reminded about something. So tell me a little bit about how you know things are nowadays, the last few years versus back in the day, the um, the shenanigans after the racing. Tell me a little bit about the nightlife with you guys, with you, G3, Gray, Ezra, etc. Oh boy, you're talking about us cruising around on scooters, getting in trouble, getting passes no, taken away. About oh, that. okay. Uh, so beyond that, uh, you didn't hear anything. No, go ahead. That. Tell it. Tell it. What did so, you, What did you guys do? What What were you? What were your teenage nightlife hours uh, at the racetrack like? So, I've heard some things. Yeah, uh, 2016, 2017, when we were at the races, like all of us KTM kids, we were underneath canopy at some point. I, I don't quite re really remember that. Um, but like all of us would always kind of hang out and do, do things together. And, you know, we'd go out on the racetrack and then we'd have our utility pit bikes, our Zumas or uh, Groms or whatever. And, like that was our time to have fun. We just go terrorize our utility vehicles. Like uh, I, I remember Road America always being a special one. Um, I hit my head in 2016 and missed Road America, and we showed up at the next round, and there were zip ties, like holding my Zuma together, and like the the bars were bent, and we're like, "What the fuck happened?" And like everyone's like, "Oh, like whoever has that yellow scooter, like." They're fucked. Uh, we feel bad for them. We're like, well, we have the yellow scooter. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> they uh, went enduro crossing on our scooters and ripped the, the shrouds off of it. It's absolutely fantastic. And I think there's a story about Maziato, Anthony Maziato, jumping a scooter like 30 feet or something and his grips coming off and yard sealing a scooter somewhere along there. That doesn't really surprise me. I mean, I do remember the kids that were close to that age, maybe a little bit younger than you or a little bit older than you, maybe one year or two, mm -hmm. Andrew Zader and those kids. I don't know if you remember Andrew Zader. I but... do very briefly. Yeah. So those guys would get together and it was like Tyler Linders, you know, this was like when Michael Gilbert and Jason, Ag you know, and they would, 
you know, I, one of them ended up duct taping one of the kids to like a the handicap pole outside of the bathrooms at Chuck Wallop. No way. Yeah, way. Gosh. We so. had uh, a couple little moments on that little section too. Like we'd ride our scooters and stuff along that little uh, strip right there next to that pole or we'd go ripping off through the little pebbles right there and make a big old rut and piss off the, the Chuck Walla people whenever we go down there. Like we were always <laughs> just being menaces to society wherever we went. Yeah, well, I mean, that's – you know, there was one kid um, – I think it was at Fontana and they, they took, we had just printed the CVMA stickers, you know, that oval mm-hmm. and they, uh, I, I literally handed Andrew Zader and the gang uh, like a stack of them this big. And I was like, see you guys tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> and they, they, uh, they took those stickers and, and I can't remember what the kid's name was. He was like from Arizona, I think, but they took and and drew out like a dick and balls like on the side of his trailer like humongous. No way. <laughs> Just slapped out of it CBMA on stickers. That's awesome. Yeah. So, like I, you know, some of that stuff would get out of hand sometimes. You know, the the nighttime shenanigans stuff at the track, but it's all in good fun. Oh You know, yeah. I mean, you got to do something that you remember, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ludwig was telling me that. One of the Laguna rounds, I can't, it was, it was probably 16, maybe. <clears throat> he says that, um, Ruben comes into the motorhome was like, Hey, uh, grandpa, could I borrow the NSR? <laughs> and then later Ezra was like at the top of the hill, jumping it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We, uh, I, I remember that one in particular. We, uh, like ducked underneath this fence over by one of the campgrounds and rode like halfway to Salinas. Like, we got ourselves lost out there. One of the <laughs> bikes ran out of gas. Wait, wait, wait. What? <laughs> yeah, like, we just... You guys rode halfway to Salinas? Yeah, it, yeah, it was a whole thing. And so we had to ditch one of the scooters, come back with a gas jug, had to get underneath the fence oh again. It, we've got ourselves into some situations. That's, uh, you know what, that's... That's... I mean, with the way things are and every, everybody's all, like, corporate now, like, that stuff's so important when you come up, you know? Yeah, and, like, I can say, like, those KTM years were by far the the best with how friendly everyone was with each other. I mean, we're all racing the same stuff. We'd all spend time together. Um, we all would we'd have to work within a little community. Um, yeah. And, like, that's gone now. Junior Cup is completely different, even though everyone races – Ninja 400s now, I, you might have a person on KTM here or Yamaha there, but literally it's so divided. And uh, from what I understand, some of those kids like heavily dislike each other. I'm like, dude, when we were racing, it was, we were beating each other up on the racetrack and we'd come back and be like, oh yeah, dude, let's go shred some Zumas and, you know, steal some beer or something. I don't know. Have some fun. Yeah. I mean, I, I've heard that too about the junior cup, man. Like I, I've heard they accuse each other of cheating all the time and like, you know, this guy, I mean, they're, you've watched the races, right? They're taking each other out like crazy every weekend, like (laughs) bouncing off each other. Like y'all bounced off each other, but usually you didn't wipe each other out. Yeah. It it seemed to get a little out of hand, but you know, I, I, it's hard to compare it a little bit. Um, I, I feel like in some ways, uh, things have kind of 
evolved into a different type of racing where it ha- it's become so aggressive. Like, I feel like no one's really respecting anyone else out there. People are turning into each other. I'm like, dude, like, you got to give them some space. Like, if, you, if we did that on a 600, we'd end up over this K-rail all the way over there. Like, I know you guys are 14 and stuff, but, like, calm down. Poof. You sound like an old man now. Dude, I, you know... I'm 20. You're like, back in my day. Yeah, I'm settling down. These are my twilight years. I'm just cruising. Come back to the super sport class. I'm cruising. I even got an Olipop here. You know, uh, something, antibiotics. I don't know. It's good. Antibiotic drink or probiotic? That, one of those. Prebiotics. There you go. There you go. That's... Uh, high school education uh, whatever yeah that too i was homeschooled oh well that explains a lot actually Uh, yeah (laughs) all i had to do was sing my abcs and i was good yeah yeah well you know what are you gonna do yeah all right so back to racing shit yeah okay so you you come you you come wrap up the season with the afn thing you win the number one plate like, how does the Melissa... I think you rode for Melissa before, right? I did in 2018. We had a very successful year. Um, like I was saying, I came up and raced Junior Cup, and um, Melissa signed me after 2017. I got second in the, the KTM RC Cup Championship, and I yeah. felt like I was a good contender. And Graves uh, Yamaha came out with this great program to race R3s, and Melissa's like, boom, this is what we need to do. And so we put all that together, and then the uh, Ninja 400 was launched. And everyone's like, well, yeah. um, I guess we have to compete against that. So that was a whole year in itself of trying to figure out how to balance the two bikes to uh, be really good. And, you know, at, at the start of the year, Melissa and I were scratching our heads. But by the end of it, um, I came out of it with one win and nine podiums. And it was pretty cool. I was the only only rider to win in the, on a dry race and uh we we made a great great team and i wanted to do something with them for 2019 yeah and then you quit racing <laughs> uh, not exactly like <laughs> after that after my year in 19 i mean i got together with the team we had a whole plan we were going to go race all of moto america because i got kicked out of racing junior cup i guess if you get two top five championship championship uh, results in a row, you get kicked out of Junior Cup, so I can't go back to Junior Cup, sadly. Um, boo-hoo. So I got kicked up to Super Sport and tried to race with the big dogs, and it was tough. Did you feel that... Was it tough because, I mean, do you, do you feel like you maybe weren't ready to make that big of a jump yet? Uh, I mean, I I think... I was ready, but there well, were... Well, let me, let me put it a different way. Like, right now, right now, there's, like, the Junior Cup thing still, right? Mm-hmm. And then there's the Twins Cup and then Super Sport. Yeah. Whereas before, it was, like, the a much larger jump to go to Super Sport, right? Yeah. And so, I think was it that? Not so much. I think some of it had to do with uh, how stacked it was that year because we had, I think, something like... 12 or 13 champions in the field. I mean, there was Bryce Prince, there was Bobby Fong, um, 
SDK. SDK was in there. Hayden Gillum. Josh Hayes. DJ Jacobson. Uh, Nick McFadden. Like, it was so deep. Yeah. Like, I remember I was battling for 14th place, and I was pumped. I was like, dude, we made it into the points. And at one point that year, I got a couple top fives, and we were like, dude, we're we're rolling. Um, but, man, like, it was so tough. Uh, Jason Aguilar was in there, too, and I always found myself racing against him. Um, and we were close off the racetrack, too. And it was like, oh, this is sweet, but really – looking back i'm like dude we we made absolutely nothing doing that but Hmm. it was cool and like the amount of experience that i gained um trying to do that but like we made 500 dollars off of a top 15 place in contingency and and that was it and i was like well okay um i guess we gotta try a little bit harder next time but i mean the experience (laughs) there was was really cool i like I spent more time on the ground that year than I did racing. I would always weed myself up in qualifying and make it really hard on my team and have to come from the back or whatever. And it's already hard enough trying to race against those guys. Let's like, let's make a bike not work and see how it rolls in the race. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, let me ask you this, dude. Like what, um, what kind of bikes, what do you have in the garage? Oh, uh, Right now, I have a Husqvarna FS450, um, and I have a YZ250 FX down at Josh and Melissa's house. They're, like, trying to get that thing off of me. I, th- I think I'm having to pay, uh, pay for a rental space inside their, their garage. Um, I can relate to that. I, that's all I got I, for motorcycles right now. I'm a big mountain bike guy. You're a big mountain bike guy. Yeah, I know Pete Pham was trying to scumbag me into mountain biking, too, and I'm like, dude, I'm a roadie, man you know that's right you got your super six yeah yep i'm the i ride a the super six evo cannondale thing uh it's been too cold to ride it outside and windy so i've been doing the peloton thing upstairs oh really yeah yeah so you um so you're you're a mountain bike guy huh big mountain bike guy is that is that like your primary form of training or do you I, it's kind of, I've traded off. I, I do a lot of road cycling too. Um, this year I've, I spent a lot of preseason on the road bike, but once we got on the road, I mean, Josh, Melissa and I, we got to do so many, so much cool stuff and see so much stuff. Like we went up to Colorado and did a lot of riding. Um, we went up to Idaho. We came back down to Birmingham and did some riding. Like I bought a, a uh, long travel Santa Cruz Nomad halfway through the year because I was tired of hitting stuff on my my XC bike. I was like, "Ooh, I want to hit the big stuff." So we spent so much time on mountain bikes as the season went on. That's awesome, man. But I've been a huge so, believer in it for years. Well, you know, you racing with Melissa, right? With the R R seven, um, you you basically were like part of their family right like how how was that being part of the Hayes traveling circus you know back in 2018 when I did the first time I think I lived with them for five or six months that year so I I already understood the process this time was a little bit different now I have my driver's license and you know I'm doing uh I, I have my own responsibilities here um but I I packed all my stuff up out of my parents house and I'm like all right I'm moving in I'm coming and, you know, 
I, I moved down there, I want to say November, came back for the holidays, and then January 1st hit, and Josh and I were on the bicycles, and we never left. Yeah, I remember him telling me, he's like, man, I ain't had no, I ain't had no Dr. Pepper in like three months. <laughs> and, and hey, don't forget about the Ben and Jerry's, it's very important. He didn't mention the Ben and Jerry's, but thank you, I will be filing that for later. Oh, yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, I mean... You you were effectively basically part of the family, right? I mean, you you were you traveling in the RV with them too? Or I how was, was I was driving their big old toter home around the country this year, and like once oh, really? we once we got on the road, I mean, we drove out to Daytona, came back, and then we uh, left for Atlanta. Once we left for Atlanta, I didn't go home until. Um, I want to say October, uh, right after uh, Barber. So almost October. Well, wow. Besides hitting the Laguna rounds and stuff, I got a little bit of time home and to see my family while we were here in town. But besides that, that was it. But the cool thing is you kind of got to hang out in the RV thing and travel the country and experience the country, right? Like, yeah. It was so crazy. Not just fly over it. Exactly. Like you always hear about every, everyone's like, Oh, you know, point a to point b and there was none of that we did so much sightseeing and we got to see so much cool stuff and like i said the mountain biking was epic um we got to ride some motorcycles and you know we even stayed at some other racers houses like we got to see how the the wyman's compound is and kyle and and his family is absolutely amazing and it, it was cool to be able just to enjoy things and leisurely move along yeah and experience well, Josh drinking Dr. Peppers every five minutes. Of course. I mean, he's, dude, he's from Mississippi, bro. It's either that or Mountain Dew, right? I uh, no Mountain Dew there. Just Dr. Well, Pepper. no, actually, Mountain Dew is more like Oklahoma. They call it Hee Haw there, actually. I don't know anyone that drinks Mountain Dew. Well, that's, a, that's definitely a southern thing, man. Like, they would even use Mountain Dew in their mixed drinks. Drinking Crown Royal and Mountain Dew, like that kind of shit. Oh, boy. So, yeah, yeah. But yeah, Mountain Dew, I remember it being called Hee Haw by some friends of mine in Oklahoma. And I was like, oh, my God. This is amazing. <laughs> Hee Haw. Right? Um, okay, so I got I got some questions coming in by people watching this. So, um, Brian Green... Actually, I think I already have a bunch of questions from him um, from before we started. And it looks like I've got a few from him now, but, um, you know, what's your best tip for a quicker lap on Thunder Hill? For Thunder Hill, it's, a that's a tough place. You know, lap times there are kind of by the day. It's, it's a weird place. One weekend you'll be doing 52s. The next weekend you'll be doing, uh, 49s and it's, it's a very weird place, but the best place, best thing I can say about that is backing everything up a little bit, breaking a little bit earlier and picking up the throttle earlier and just getting, uh, a good flow. Um, that place is a little weird with the lines. You have to really focus on getting yourself pointed in the right direction before being able to accelerate. And I would say, um, just kind of pacing, being a little bit more patient with everything you do will make it a hundred times easier to go faster around there. Wow, man. You know, I mean, I, I raced my R1 there, right? And 
the one the one area of the track most of the track i was like okay this is my jam you know but it was at towards the bottom of that hill down the back straight thing mm -hmm. you know and there's a little there's a little huh right at the bottom yeah but on the approach that little huh blocks the view of the rest of the straight so it looks like the turn is right there and i mean i knew it but i still would see it and I would fall for it every time. I was like, dude, God damn it. You have to get the kahunas just to get over that little bump. And there you can grab your brakes on that other downhill side. Yeah. Yeah. Ezra, Ezra was trying to get me to like break at the top of it. And I'm like, man, that's like so much commitment, dude. Like uh, it's scary. It's so like, fast. <laughs> right. Yeah. So, okay. Uh, let's see. I got I got a few coming in from Chris from the Pin the Gas podcast. They probably want to talk to you on their podcast too, by the way. Um, so he says he wants to know what your favorite track is. And I'm going to tell you really quick, the last few people I've spoken to have said Road America. Oh, all right. You know... That was the first one that came to mind. Like it, it's tough for me. I've I've been to a lot of cool different tracks. I want to say my favorite track is Laguna. I mean, it's basically my backyard. I've had a lot of success there, and I, I feel like I got something special um, around that place. Um, but man, Road America is so much fun. Like I, I want to say I have like a three way tie between Laguna, Road America, and Mazzano. Those three. Mazzano. Yeah. Okay, you went. Oh, did you do the uh, KTM Cup thing over there? Is that what happened? No, or? I did that in Hrath. Hrath was pretty cool too, but it didn't didn't match the level of Mazzano. So, how did you in, you raced at Mazzano? Uh, I didn't race at Mazzano. I got to do a couple laps there when I went over for the okay. VR forty six Master Camp thing. Okay, well, you know what? Tell me about the VR46 Master Camp thing. Because, like, what the fuck is that about? Like, you got to go ride with Valentino? Yeah. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, I'm probably way wrong. But it's sort of like, the way I interpret the VR46 Academy, it's sort of like um, Valentino's version of uh, Super Camp or Mystery School. Uh I think the academy is a little bit more like they have a group together. I feel like having elevated riders all together in one place to push each other um, is always really good to keep you on your toes at all times. I mean, we kind of do our the same thing here. Um, Josh tries really hard to always have a good group of guys around him um, to always be elevating the level. Um, but the master camp is a little bit more to give us an insight of, of what the – uh, GP guys do. Um, that was, I was a little bit disappointed with what, with what they did with us. It was more of a promotional thing, but we still got mm. to like do some training. We got to spend some laps on their simulator, just see how, uh, daily lives are for them. Um, but we also got to do some testing. We got to ride, uh, Valentino's, uh, track the dirt track and um got to do some motocross and you know my favorite part of it was uh having josh be my chaperone and freaking sit there and just watch us do our thing and he's just sitting there with uh red no uh red nose and steam was coming out of his ears his arms were crossed and he was mad as can be and like they're telling us what to do and josh is like hey like this is how it needs to be done like this is what you got to do <laughs> 
<clears throat> so Josh is like listening to them coach you guys, and he's like, "No, that's wrong. You got to do it this way." <laughs> a little bit, not not a whole lot, um, but it was funny to see them do some dirt track. Like we all do a little bit of dirt track here, and like they have an, a little bit more of an interesting style. And I would say like that is probably what I'm a little bit better at. So I was able to keep up with the the VR46 Academy riders a little bit more. They're like, oh, you, you kind of understand this. I was like, yeah, this is what I do. Nice. Nice. All right. So let's see. Let's go through some of our other questions. Um, the Brian Green, he's got a couple of good ones. I'm going to save one of them for later. But, uh, okay, so beyond cardio stuff, like what's – What's the big advantage of training on a road bike or a mountain bike? I would say mental. Um, putting in the long hours on a road bike is is tough. Like trying to just keep on on going. If it comes from going and riding the hills or just staying on the flash, just putting in the work. Um, it like for me, uh, riding the road bike is just to clear my mind a little bit. Just get a second thought on everything that's going on. Kind of slow things down a little bit. But mountain bikes completely different. Like you have things coming at you so quick and you have to quickly commit to things like me growing up as a kid, I'm the most uncoordinated person there ever was. I'm, I'm terrible when it comes to like naturally talented or ability to do things. I've had to like train myself to do that. So mountain biking has been the best thing for me to keep me on my toes and always be prepared for what's coming at me and for me to choose what I got to do. Dude, Aguilar used to say the same shit to me all the time. He's like, man, you can't be so gay and ride that fucking road bike. You know, <laughs> his like deep ass voice. Yeah. You know, I can't even do it. Like Aguilar's voice was so deep, right? And he would scumbag me so bad about being a roadie. Uh, it's it fun though. It, you gotta have both, dude. but yeah, me too. And I, yeah, mountain bikes, I, I would put on a, a superior level. So you're uh, you're not like going to the gym and lifting weights and crap. No, I I've never stepped foot in the gym. I like I thought about getting my gym membership this year, but I'm like, ah, you know. I mean, you look like a gym rat. I mean, you're yoked, dude. I, you know, right? I, I'm I'm so bulky <laughs> and tough. I, I think I got a, a solid like three inches around my bicep over here. I'm feeling it today. Oh, I mean, between you and Nick Inotch, I mean, whew, man, the pose off. Oh. You know, lifting right? up this Olipop over here is just straining the muscles. I'm I'm working out. Oh my goodness, you're so funny. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> okay, so let's see what else we got here. Um, I was gonna ask, like, uh, Bearded Jixer asks about the 750. I'm gonna ask that in here a little bit, but um, all right. Uh, did. Did you move? Oh, okay. So, um, JC from Motorcycle Upholstery. I think you've met JC, maybe. Yeah, I met JC on a couple occasions. Yeah. So, uh, JC wants to know: Did you move out of state with your girlfriend? Yeah. And is Corey riding the dirt this February at Josh's house for J Force? Uh, I'm not sure if I'll be down. Jesus, there. that's awfully specific. Yeah, I I didn't know Josh had something lined up. I. I have no plans with Josh at this moment, but yeah, I'm, I'm moved my stuff out to Kansas city. That's where I want to be based out of for this year, kind of a little bit more center for the series. Um, yeah. you know, I've lived in California my whole life. I thought I'd change it up a little bit. Oddly enough, I moved to California from Kansas city. No way. 25 years ago. 
Yeah. Where were you at? Yep. I was uh, I was uh, off of Holmes and 100th Street by uh, kind of by I-435. Okay. Okay. I'm I'm still yeah. a little new. Like we're way down in South Kansas City by uh, yeah. Grandview. Yeah, that's where I lived. Really? Matter of fact, I lived in I lived right next to Grandview, uh, my first college uh, dorm room kind of thing. No way. Yeah, way. That's awesome. I, I lived in these like shitty apartments off of I seventy one. I I love it down there. Like we're right in Hickman Mills, which is like I could hit a golf ball to Grandview. Um, okay. But yeah, yeah, I I absolutely love it. The mountain bike in there is epic. I, yeah, in that area, I would imagine so, yeah. I mean, I was too busy freezing to death um, and studying t- to be a nerd. Um, I didn't really get to do much of that. But, uh, yeah, dude, you stay in Missouri long enough, who knows, man? You might throw a V8 and an S10 or something. <laughs> oh, that's my plan or for Suzuki next week. Or Suzuki Samurai, right? Yeah. That's what? A, I heard that's a cool thing to do. I, that's what's going on next week. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, oddly enough, in Grandview, this is really funny. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna throw something out there. It's gonna make you laugh. When I was in college, I drove a lowrider Chevy S10. No way. And, um, and I was in a, I was hanging out with these group of dipshits, that was like a mini truck club, and they called themselves Show Me Minis. No. Dustin's right there in the middle of that. You know, I can totally see it. Oh my god! I mean, you've seen my bike, dude. Like, you know what's yeah. what. You got that that shiny blue sparkly on your S10. Probably got some chrome spinny rims or something. I mean, you know, if Corboto made spinning wheels, I'd probably have them. Yeah, you know what I mean. <laughs> but yeah, enjoy your time at Missouri. Um, you know, I guess eat lots of barbecue. I mean, that's like a food group there, right? Yeah, no, the barbecue is amazing. You know, you're talking about the whole cold thing. Like 20 degrees was about my limit. Uh, my girlfriend made me get up on the roof and clean out the gutters. And I was like, all right, I had enough. So I tapped out and came back to California. Right now it's like negative 35 and wind chill. And here I'm sitting at, uh, it's 7 o'clock at night and it's 57 degrees. So I'm enjoying this here. I would imagine so, man. I would imagine so. Kansas City in the wintertime sucks. Yeah. <laughs> I had to get out of there. Yeah. That's hilarious, dude. All right. So you've, um, you spent the year with Melissa on the R7, and um, you know you actually raced it. You rode the thing pretty stock at Buttonwillow at the start of the season when one of my customers smashed into the back of you. <laughs> Um, but you, you know, you, (laughs) you actually rode the R7 and raced it and, you know, people, the internet kind of still shits on that thing. Ever since it came out, most of the people shitting on it never ridden one before and probably won't, never rode the old one before. Mm -hmm. Like, tell me a little bit about racing the R7. I mean, you could start off with getting smashed from behind on oh, a fairly stalker. Oh, man. I, like, I was debating on if, like, I was wondering. I heard you tried to pick a fight at my track day. Dude, That's what it was. Yeah. I, I was wondering if you were going to bring it up. But, yeah, Melissa. You I, know I'm going to. Yeah, I, I should know better. Uh, it's, it's Dustin. Come on now. Um, right. Yeah, like, my first time riding the thing, um, 
we're, we're coming to Dustin's track day at Button Willow. It's nice and sunny outside. We're, we're trying to figure this thing out a little bit. Like we don't have my motor in it and we just have a chassis. Like Melissa just built this bike the day before, stayed up all night just to make it there. And I'm riding and I just got ash packed going into turn two. I, I believe I passed the dude and then he like forgot to break for the corner or something or target fixated and absolutely murdered me. Um, I don't know how I kept it on two wheels, but you know, I, I made it and some dude came into the pits after the red flag and, and I'm like, Hey, Melly, like I, I, we have a problem. Like I just got ass packed and like, they're looking at my bike and like ripping off, like I ripped off a shroud and we bent the, um, the wheel cockeyed in there and was sliced a tire. And Melissa's like, dude, you got freaking some damage like this thing's fucked up and i'm like yeah, yeah i got ass packed and so that was a whole whole thing and uh, his buddy comes running up and he like gets up in my face and melissa's like oh no this ain't happening and like this dude's in full gear and melissa's freaking chest to chest with him and melissa's like a good solid what would you say five six five five ish yeah, yeah. 120 pounds and yeah. this dude's like six four I don't know, two thirty. Looking down. Yeah, there. he was a big dude. Yeah, and Melissa like full on went full mama bear, right? Yeah, she's like, <laughs> if you're gonna fucking get in my face, I'm gonna fuck you up. And like, she's <laughs> like, oh my gosh, this is wild. And like, oh, we, man. we just met the A racer guy like less than thirty minutes ago. This poor guy, Kai, and he has no idea what he's getting himself into. And I'm just like, well, I guess we're going to go back to the pit. And Melissa's like, yeah, fuck, fuck, fuck off. Get out of here. Get over there. And we debrief. And she's like, well, you know, I I, I think uh, everything is going to be okay. And I'm I'm like, I'm, I'm like a little bit shaken. I'm like, dude, I like, I've never experienced this before. This is gnarly. And she's like, well, you know, we're not a team. We're a fucking gang. We're gonna fuck them up, and I'm just like, oh, okay, okay. Uh, oh, this is great. Yeah. So that was my first experience on the R7, and like since then, like it has evolved so much. And uh, I would say we definitely had a little bit more of a tough year um, with that thing. It is an amazing motorcycle. Um, it took us a while to get used to it, though. Like the way it works, it's a little bit different than normal motorcycles and we were basically racing mini super bikes this year we threw everything at it and we got ourselves a little confused um but i want to say come laguna we found some things and i i think i was on the the best bike on the grid i mean look you you were competitive every time on the thing you know when you didn't throw the thing down the road yeah um that happened quite a few times like, I mean, let's just say it. Like, how many how many of those shits did you throw down the road and make Melissa go to work? Dude, uh, too many. I, I, I crashed two in one day. I had a big, big get-off in Virginia, and we, like, I completely tore up the front end, and we get the thing put together for the race, and then, like, six laps into the race, I had no front brakes, and I was just, like, trying not to freaking run into the back of someone, and I tucked the front again. I'm like, dude, what am I doing out here? Um... But yeah, it was a, a huge learning curve for me. And I, I struggled from racing 600s the last couple of years. I wanted to ride it my way. I wanted to get off into the corner, charge it a little bit harder and get myself pointed. It's just not how I wanted me to ride it. So 
since you've kind of raced both bikes in Twins Cup, by the way, this is a Mike C question. I'm not sure if that's Canfield or not. Okay. It might be. Uh, since you rode both of them in Twins Cup, can you compare the two bikes, the 660 thing and the R7? I can. Um, but my perception's a little different. So 2021 uh, Aprilia, I think, is a little bit different than the bikes that they raced with this year or that's come a long way since then. But the uh, Aprilia was a great chassis platform. Um I feel like the Aprilia didn't have as much top end as the R7 did. Um, Equal coming off of the corner, I want to say. But the chassis, I would say, on the Aprilia was definitely better. I struggled with the chassis at the R7. It had so much flex. And I think some of that has to do with, you know, it comes off the showroom floor with 66 horsepower or something. And I want to say we were racing them close to 100 horsepower. It just wasn't built or made for that. It's... uh... Like a $9,000 bike. Yeah. Like, you know, the Aprilia 660 is quite a bit more than that, yeah? For sure. For sure. Yeah. Makes sense. Makes sense. And, like, if I had to choose a bike um, at the end of the year, like I said, I felt like I was on the best bike on the grid. Melissa did an amazing job at giving me what I needed and uh, giving my uh, the resources that I needed to make that thing work. So... At some point during the season, I think it was, I don't know how far into the season, Sam Lockhoff was injured and had to go step away. How did, how did you end up on that thing? Well, and then, and then how was it racing two bikes in every weekend? Oh my gosh. So we're driving home from the Ridge and like, to be honest with you, my results up to that point were fucking terrible for me. I was, I was sitting there like going to bed every night like this. I'm like, i I'm not meant to race motorcycles anymore. Like I can't figure this thing out. And um, I think Josh and Melissa were talking to uh, Ju John Ulrich um, and Chris yeah. Ulrich, and they said that Sam was hurt, and they're looking at possibly putting me on the thing. And Josh comes into uh, his fifth wheel, and like he's making coffee or something. We're at a rest stop somewhere. The dog out there is taking a crap. Huckleberry needs to run around, and Hawk needs to throw Cheerios somewhere other than the inside of Josh's truck. Um, and Josh is like, Hey, like, I, I just got to tell you something. And he's like, I don't think it's going to happen, but just so you know, like we're talking to JU about possibly putting you on the 750 um, this next weekend. And I'm looking at him and I'm confused. I'm like, wait, um, like, can you repeat that? And he's like, yeah, like, they're, they're thinking about putting you on the bike. Sam's hurt and they need a rider for it. Um, he's like, it's a long shot. Don't get your hopes up. Um, I don't think it'll happen. And I'm like, my heart just went from like, oh my gosh, this is, this is so cool to fucking smashed and obliterated like thousand pieces. But, you know, uh, between then and Laguna, it, it worked out and I jumped up on that thing. And I didn't see the bike till Thursday. Um at Laguna. So it was fresh for me. I walk over to the team. I got to take some photos and, you know, I'm, I'm a Yamaha rider and we're, we're trying to keep everything, um, on the down low as much as possible, but I need to take this opportunity. And it was, it was super cool to jump underneath that canopy and also compare it to, uh, Melissa's program. And, you know, 
I know you know Jeremy Toy and everyone over there, and yeah, it was super cool to be able to work with them, and that made it a little bit easier for me. But to jump on two different bikes in one weekend, something I've never done before, was tough. But yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, think about this though. I mean, back in the day, you know, like twenty something years ago, I mean, it was pretty common for people to race both six hundred super sport and super bike. Yeah. And Formula you know. Extreme, no, for sure. And Josh told me that all the time. He's like, dude, I, I think this will be great for you. And um, and to try a couple different things, being able to see the racetrack more and get some ideas from racing the 750 and vice versa, some stuff for the R7 might translate to the 750. That's cool, man. So how, how was the 750? Um, now that you're going to race one again, but like, how was it? It was so, so good. And I like jumping off of the R7 to jump, jumping on something a little bit more what I'm used to. Um, Faster. Yeah. It felt like, rates. felt like a rocket ship. Um, yeah. But no, it's so good. And unlike all the 600s that I've raced, the chassis was, um, how should I say this? You can freaking do whatever you wanted to that thing, and it would just take it. Like that bike was so neutral and so stable, I could grab the front brakes in the middle of the corner, and it wouldn't do anything. And I was just like, "What is this thing?" Um, completely different beast. I can say for sure, I got out of control a couple times. A little bit of power, you know. I, I'm a little boy over here. I'm, I'm slowly getting through the ranks. Start drinking milk, dude. Sure. Like, come on. Hey, I. I need a couple more uh, iced vanilla lattes in me. There you go. Yeah. yeah. The uh, the get white girl wasted. Yeah. And, right? and, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I start fidgeting over here. But uh, yeah. No, the 750 was so good, and I'm excited to continue on with that this year. Um, I struggled translating between the R7 and the 750, but the more time I've spent on the 750, just focusing on that, I feel like it is such a good platform and. I'm very curious to see how things are going to roll into this year with the new gen rules. So how did, uh, how did that come about? Like the disrupt team, that's the team Hayden Gillum rode for, right? Yeah. Super bike. So this all kind of came, came through like as the year went on, I'm like, ah, oh, you know, I race in forest, our leathers and they, they do an absolutely amazing job. And I, they're over there with Hayden. I also really like Hayden, someone that's a, uh, a little bit more in my circle of friends, like just working with Josh and Melissa. He was renting from Josh and Melissa back in 2018. Um, so it's a familiar face and I spent some time with them in Kentucky. So um, we're, we're friends and I'm like, dude, I, I want to come over there and spend some time with you. And between my sponsors, they made it all happen and it's their, the place where I wanted to be. That's fair. All right, let's get to some more fan comments. Um, I'm going to go back to Brian Green first because I was saving this one for later. But um, who do you feel is the favorite to win the title now in that class since Josh is in Superbike? Um, and are you bummed that you're not going to get to race him against him this year? Uh, in Supersport, I'm assuming what you're saying? Yeah. Um, you know, the um, number two. Uh, you know, he's not in super sport anymore. I'm bummed that the number two is not going to be in there. Cause, uh, I, I took a couple of shots at him at Brainerd this year. And I, from what I understood, he didn't like it too much. Um, but you know, good for him getting back up into Superbike. I, I hope the best for him. He's got a, t a tough field to come up against. Um, 
man, it's going to be tough. I, I'm not sure who all is going to be doing what, but Chubby Forez, he's uh, going to be a force to be reckoned with. And I, I think my, me on the disrupt bike, they're going to have something to fight against. Oh shit. <laughs> okay. So, uh, let's see. There's a few more comments here. Um, August Nord says, looking back, was taking time off from racing the right thing to do career-wise? I mean, I I got a little lucky with the timing, with COVID hitting and everything, and kind of everything slowed down um, and stopped. Yeah. So my timing couldn't have been better. Um, but I think for me, in many ways, it showed that I wanted to keep doing this. Like, you, you know how things are. You get you get into it and you just at some point it just becomes repetition. Like you just start going through the motions and it doesn't become as much fun where for me, I was like, like, you're on autopilot, right? Yeah. I was like, I could kind of care less about this. And then a couple months go by and I'm like, well, actually I really, this really bugs me. I want to do this. Okay. So it re-sparked me and I got back to work. Okay. So multi bad base. He says uh, that he's met you, Josh and Rocco, when you stopped at Arroyo in New Mexico to test before round one last year. Mm -hmm. You should tell people about our track. Not a lot of people know about it other than the fact that it's bumpy. (laughs) (laughs) It's actually not that bumpy. There are a couple little bumps around it. But yeah, Arroyo Seco, uh, right in New Mexico, I kicked off my uh, season after I got ass-packed by Ducati. on our uh, way for R, by the way. Yeah. On our way to Atlanta, we stopped in at this little track, uh, Royal Seiko. And I did testing with my, uh, chassis tech, Evan Steele. And that track is bitching. It's a little, little place off of uh, highway 10, I think. And it, it's a great bike to get down to work. I'd love to get back out there at some point. Yeah. I mean, dude, there's these great tracks in the middle of nowhere, like kind of not far from the 10. Right? Yeah. I mean, there's that, there's that little track in Wilcox, Arizona called Indy, right? Yeah. I've and, never been to Indy, but I've heard su- great things. I mean, it's south of the 10, but I mean, it's fucking half hour away, maybe. Um, Podium Club in um, Casa Grande, Arizona, which is a little bit south of Phoenix. You been to that one yet? No, I've heard about that too. Dude, CRA is going to race at Podium Club this year. Really? Yeah, dude. We're road tripping to Podium Club, and it's going to be super fun. Cool. I might have to jump in there. Oh, my God, dude. You have to. It's in April. I don't think it conflicts with Podium America either. All right. um, But, yeah, like I, I just talked to the track manager today, and he's all stoked to have us. And the place is just – it's just like this weird – oasis in the middle of the desert right but it's amazing it's it is amazing like the pavement there is so legit like you would like you drag your knee on the surface and you're like is my knee down uh, like i did like did 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 you put enough oil on the you know <laughs> it's really strange like the feeling when your knee is dragging on that super smooth pavement you know we're used to racing at places like button willow right yeah and chick and whatever right or willow springs and you know the cheese grater asphalt right yeah but then this thing is like it's just butter dude it's and it has massive grip 
Hey, so. that might be my place to uh, finally get a photo with my elbow down or something. Dude, usually when, when I get my elbow down, it's usually followed by, you know, other things. Yeah, your the rest of my body. butt, shoulder, head. Face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Um, let's see. What else? Okay, so we got some more questions coming in. Um, let's see. Brian's asking, uh, in your times that you raced Super Sport this year, who was your favorite person to race against? I was going to say that anyway. Like, who's your favorite competitor or who's your toughest competitor? Oh, man. So I I think you'll already know the answer coming to this one. Like, gosh. (laughs) Hey, he he didn't even race Super Sport this year. Um, I know. I'm just giving you shit. Dude. uh, Rocco. Hey, that that was one of my answers coming up. So Rocco was a tough competitor when I jumped on that uh, 750. I didn't have anything for him um, this year. Last year, on the other hand, I had him. Um, but no, I, Brainerd this year, he was on a whole nother level. Um, and he he was perfectly smooth. But my, my favorite battle of the year was when I raced with Josh and Brainerd. Um, both Joshes, actually, Heron and Hayes. And let me just tell you, there's nothing like spending time with someone, living with them day in, day out, watching him drink 25 Dr. Peppers and, you know, eating ice cream. And, you know, he's 47 years old and he talks about his back pain. And, you know, I'm out there putting in work on the bicycle and he's still able to get on a 600 and take me to Browntown. Um, two corners to go past me for on the last lap. Like I, my brain exploded in my helmet crossing the finish line um but you know racing he, with those guys in their Brown experience town. yeah he took you to brown town what the fuck does that mean is that like a local haze thing Dude, like what is that how have you never heard that he whipped my ass yeah brown town okay brown town yeah. okay i'm filing that too that's great appreciate that <laughs> um <laughs> But yeah, like riding with both Heron and Hayes, like the amount of experience um, was was second to none. And I, I I tried to learn as much as I can. And you know, I I hate losing, and I hate losing to people close to me. And I'll I'll learn from that. Yeah, I mean, I was gonna ask you, like after um, after you got beat up or taken to Brown Town, like what was it like at home after that, like? How long, I mean, does he still not let you live it down? Is he still talking about the last so, lap shit? No, that like ended within a week. Like I, so really the main thing was, is Blake Davis and I were racing in Twins Cup the day before, and I made the same mistake, not only in that race, but in the super sport race with him. So that gave him all the fuel to just eat me alive until the next weekend, which I think was, um, pittsburgh or something or we were traveling and yeah and like i made the same mistake twice and luckily one race it worked out and then one race i was racing against him and he was like dude like if we were in the backyard racing would you have fucking done that and i was like why would i do that and he was like well you fucking did it today and it cost you a fucking podium and money He was like you're a fucking idiot and i'm like oh yeah i you know <laughs> you got me on that one um but i like to think you know, me hearing about it for a week at a time. Um, and Melissa, Melissa was hilarious about it too. She, we're sitting there and she's like, Hey, you know, good race. Like 
came over to me after and she's like, are you good? I'm like, yeah, you know, I'm good. Like I was butthurt. I was so butthurt. Like I had to go sit in the RV for an hour just to like calm down. Like I had to load up the trailer and shit. Like I was like, fuck that. I just need to regain myself. You know, right now I just want to like punch Josh in the balls or something. Like I was so mad, but you know, he, he didn't give it up to me. He like his claim is, you know, if you beat me, you earned it. So, but no, after that, like after about a week of time, I was like, you know what? I may have liked it better this way. Cause if I would have beat him, he'd never hear the end of it. And for sure I would have gotten punched in the balls or something. Oh, absolutely. Too, like, Rightfully so. Yeah. Rightfully so. Right at park for me. How dare or something. you not respect your elders? Yeah. Or he would have uh, put some Miralax or something in my uh, Olipops or LaCroix or whatever <laughs> I'm drinking. Like there would have been some, some things for sure, but you know, it's all out of love. All right. So here's one. You're going to love this one from Hayden Schultz. Oh, Hayden Schultz says, Corey, now that you're out of twins cup, will you be my umbrella guy at Daytona? 100%. Hey, at first I got to make it to Daytona. I'll, <laughs> If I get a flight there, 100%. But I need a little crop top. Fishnet. Yeah, fishnet crop top. Yes. Um, so you're not planning on racing Daytona then? Uh, right now we're, we're talking about it. Um, right, It's a lot of money to go do an exhibition race and trying to find the right crew um, is tough. I want to make it work really badly, but we'll see. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Well, if you're there um, and I see you um, wearing a fishnet crop top, holding an umbrella for Hayden Schultz, I will definitely take a photo of it and post it. Perfect. <laughs> you know what? At that, I, I'll drive down to uh, one of the CRA races and I'll be your umbrella girl for the podium. You promise? Uh, and that fishnet crop top. Maybe I'll even throw some oh, high heels goodness. on or something. Okay. Dude, you... It's on the internet now, so like it's got to be true, right? Uh, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I think um, <laughs> being reminded that uh, that we just have a new shirt idea, t-shirt idea. Um, the last few podcasts I've had a guest on, and they say some shit to me, and it ends up on a t-shirt, right? So, yeah. you know, Melissa's was scumbags with honor. Um, with regards to motorcycle racers. And then um, Ken Hill said, this ain't bowling. <laughs> you know, because like in bowling, you make a mistake, you get a gutter ball or something, you don't end up in the hospital. Yeah. Right? And then um, Stefano Mesa's was, uh, sometimes you got to get aggressive and take somebody out. Oh. Um, Obviously, we left that part off the T-shirt, the take somebody out part. But sometimes you got to get aggressive. Yeah. And then, um, so yours is, um, I just got taken to Brown Town. <laughs> <laughs> I Dude, I'm, know. I'm actually texting. I'm texting my shirt lady right now. I'm like, hey, you need another one. I already know who the first three orders are going to be. That's going to be Josh, Melissa, and then Josh again. Yes. Yes. Yes, oh, uh, V&M, a V&M crop top. I don't know what a V&M crop top means, but yeah, I don't know, dude. Um, but yeah, so 
thank you. Um, we'll make those shirts, and I'll I'll make sure you get one when we make it. Yeah. So you just you just got taken to Brown Town. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah, man, it's happening. It's happening. Okay, so you're not you're not gonna you're maybe gonna do Daytona. You want to do Daytona. Right? I do want to do Daytona. Yeah. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. So um you so you got this you got this new disrupt team that you're gonna work with and um you're riding the seven fifty in super sport next gen rules, obviously. Mm-hmm. So your your bike is basically the same thing as what the M four bikes are, right? Like the Ride by wire electronic throttle thing, and yeah, it's a 750. I believe the only difference is is that we'll be on KTEC instead of Owens. Oh, yeah, have you ridden on KTEC stuff before? I did my first test with the team. I all my years in the past have always been Owens stuff, but the KTEC stuff is really good. I was so surprised when I jumped up on the bike. I mean, uh, I think they did a great job um, this year to develop the bike. Um, but when I first jumped on it, it was really good platform and I'm excited to make improvements on it. So, I mean, with the recent passing of Lenny, um, the K-Tech guy, like who are they going to, who are they going to have be like the official K-Tech dude? Is it going to be Kendall? I'm not sure exactly. Yeah. There's a dude on the East coast. Um, I think his company's called like triple T suspension. His name's Kendall. And, um, Last couple of years, I've gotten to hang out with Kendall at Barber and Daytona a little bit. Super good guy. Like I, I'm guessing you're in it with him, working with him on the K Tech stuff. I don't know who else works on K Tech stuff. I don't even know. I I don't know either. Uh, this is all still super new to me. Um, I believe Mark uh, Hayden's crew chief does all of our stuff on the team, um, but I'm sure I'll get to meet the guys and everyone. Right on, right on. So you've gotten to test the, the bike recently, right? Yeah, went out to Roebling. And... Uh, what was it, 17th, 18th? You went to Georgia? To Georgia, yeah. Good times. No, it was, it was okay. bitching. Um, I, I went out to that, that track with Melissa earlier this year, and so I had a couple laps already, jumped up on the 750 and got right down to work, and it's a force to be reckoned with. Okay, so what you're saying is you're a force to be reckoned with this year on that super sport bike. Uh, is that what you're saying? We'll see. We'll see. I'm going to be rooting for you, man, even though you're not on a Yamaha. I mean, you sold your soul to Suzuki or whatever. <laughs> yeah. You know? I mean, I know, you know, um, I, I said that just because, I, you know, I, I'm in the paddock with the with the attack team, right? And, uh, you know, I, I talked to Tom Halverson quite a bit. And, you know, I know that Tom thinks pretty highly of you. Yeah. He says good things. I uh, can't say it wasn't hard to leave Yamaha again. Like, I've always bled blue blood, and uh, I've kind of been in and out the last couple years. And, you know, coming and racing the R7 this year kind of felt like homecoming a little bit. Like, got the band back together, had everyone together. Um, But I'm really excited to race a Suzuki. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. All right. So, um, somebody, I don't know why somebody asked this. I don't, I don't remember who, I didn't write down who asked this earlier. I just wrote the note down, but, um, in Moto America, do they like do performance drug testing on you guys? Uh, do they check you for roids? 
I've never been checked. Uh, I heard that there there are people that do though. Um, okay, but it's never come around to me. Do they check you for like other kind of drugs? Like, uh, again, I've never been checked. So maybe. Okay, fair enough. Question. Fair mark. enough. Yeah, I mean. I'm like Ron Burgundy over here, dude. I I just ask everybody's questions regardless of how dumb it sounds. But um, yeah. Okay, so I got a couple more questions. Um, let's see here. Bearded Jixer, the guy's name's Ernie, actually. He races with us at CRA. Um, obviously, he rides a GSXR as well. He wants to know if I could ask you how you approach racing at a track you've never raced before. Like, what do you initially focus on? Like, what's your mindset? Uh, I'll start off with coming into the weekend. I want to at least get eyes around the race track, look at the track map a little bit, um, just to kind of get an idea of which way it flows. Um, and as soon as I ride the track, it'll be a completely different uh, idea than what I, what I came in with. Um, and then slowly get to work from there. I want to find my braking zones as quick as possible and just uh, start off with trying to hit my brake markers, trying to see where I want to apex and pivot the bike to see which way I want to go. Um, but a lot of patience, a lot, a lot of patience um, when I'm first getting around. And then once I get into the swing of things, okay, I can do this different. I can do this different. Fair enough. Fair enough. All right, and then let's see here. Uh, we've already, actually the two questions I wrote down. We've already kind of gotten to them. Um, you know, uh, one guy is describing what it was like to ride in the academy, and then the other one was about. Um, does oh, here's a good one. Uh, does the 750 have any advantages over the other super sport bikes that you've ridden? It definitely has some advantages, like being able to fight with the 750 is so much easier if you're able to get off of the corner just with the torque. Um, you can have yourself pointed in the direction a little bit easier, um, but it takes a lot of patience, and uh, you have to be extremely smooth. My number one issue with the 750 is how uh, that throttle engages with it being throttled by wire. The torquiness of it is a whole nother level to me. I, I can't keep the tire wheels in line but for sure getting off of the corner is easier than the 600 but with that being said um i think it's harder to ride the bike in a race pace situation like i think it's easier to get a lap time out of a 600 than it is to do it with the 750 but when it comes to racing i think the 750 is a little bit easier hmm that's a that's an interesting insight. I wouldn't have thought that. I mean, you know, I, I remember when there was a 750 Super Stock and a 600 Super Sport in the old AMA days. Um, it was pretty common for the 600s to be quite a bit faster lap time wise than the 750s. Yeah. But now, you know, I mean, Suzuki's the only one making 750s still, right? So kind of makes sense. I mean, the thing makes more power, more torque, you know? Yeah. So... The old uh, no replacement for displacement, right? For sure. So. And, like, I'm not <clears throat> sure if you know too much about uh, my program, but we have both a 600 and a 750 
Um, and we're thinking about possibly riding different bikes at different rounds, depending oh. on what, what we think will be best. I think we'll probably stick to the 750 a little bit more just so everything's always the same and we don't try and get too many things into the program. Uh, but it's, it's there as an option. That's cool, man. That, you know, give you the option. Like if a, if you're on a track that the 600 does better, you know, yeah, I mean, back in the day, it used to be like a two second thing. Yeah. And for sure. Like, uh, something with me this year, I smushed a 750 flat at Brainerd and qualifying and we couldn't get it back together. So they rolled out a 600 from the year before. And I went almost a second faster on the 600 than I did on the 750, never spinning a lap on it. Nothing. The bike barely ran, um, when I was pulling up to, to grid on the first time, like it wasn't ran for the first time in six months. Like they were putting the front fender on, um, when the one minute board was out, like we barely made it out in time on the 600 and I ended up going almost a second faster on it. I'm being, uh, I'm, I'm reading a couple of comments right now. Um, there's Chris McGuire's watching now too. Oh boy. Um, and Aiden is frosty. I don't know who that is. Um, but anyway, so Chris McGuire says, um, hi, CV. Let's talk about your race with Josh Hayes. I think he came on late because uh, uh, we kind of already talked about that, Chris. Like you missed it. Um, and then how different is the Disrupt 750 besides the suspension? Like it's pretty much the same? Uh, it, it's kind of comparing apples to oranges right now. We don't exactly have the the uh, electronics set up on this 750 in particular just yet. Um, but I want to say chassis wise is pretty close right now. Right on. And then here's a good one. Uh, Brian Green, thank you for the excellent questions, buddy. Um, with the new rules, you know, the next gen super sport rules, um, the bikes are kind of equaled out, right? Mm -hmm. You know, with the, uh, whatever, they plug that shit into the bike and take away power and stuff, right? Um, so are you saying that with the torque of the 750, even the neutered power on the 750, you know, is still better than the 600? I wouldn't say better than. Um, I would I'd say that it's still easier to fight with um, torque-wise, still being able to get off the corners better. I mean, it's definitely tough trying to get your shifts in before you hit the red line because they do take revs away and the torque curve is different. Um, but like you were saying about displacement, it, it spins up quite a bit quicker. Um, but with that, we also lose some top end. On the 600, I was two mile an hour quicker on the straightaway than I was on the 750. Um, really? It's a... Uh, kind of a weird thing it, it it definitely has advantages but also has disadvantages that's that's fair i love that it's real talk about this too because there's a lot of horseshit on the internet that people talk about oh the 600 is like a disadvantage and you know the ducati is just you know and from what i understand the ducati was kind of a pile of shit to ride like i heard it was like a street bike basically compared to what you guys are riding and it didn't seem all that fast to me um, yeah, but also I wasn't drinking beers and jumping on that thing. Okay. <laughs> well, you know, everybody, every now and then the Ducati guys have to have a Diet Coors, right? Uh, I mean, that's, you know, 
Maybe. So leave it at that. Um, so Aiden is frosty wants to know what's your expectation for this season? You know, it's a, a new team for me. Um, I have a lot of, of big expectations for myself. I feel like I'm uh, one of the better riders out there and I've, had my years on 600s. Um, I have a little bit of experience with the 750, and uh, my team is giving me a lot of confidence. I, I feel like we can run for something big here. Um, I think we definitely have a lot to learn, but we're just going to take it step by step and race by race. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, I'm I'm going to ask you something. This is this is actually this is like really cool. Cause I was there and I got to watch it, you know, like I was track side. I got to high five you after, um, at Laguna Seca, you're riding your own bike, privateer effort 2021. And you go out and you're in the front in the 600s. Right. And you, you've got Richie Escalante with that huge effort behind you for quite a bit of the race. I, I think he finally got back by you, mm -hmm. but did that, did after that happen, did you like sit to, to yourself and like, okay, I could run with these dudes? Did it like give you a confidence boost knowing that you could run with them? Or was it that you're kind of a Laguna specialist? Uh, like you kind of said earlier. I wouldn't say I'm a Laguna, like, I'm for sure a Laguna specialist, actually. Um, I, I think there's a little bit of something special there. But no, I, I feel like I can do that at every racetrack um, that we go to. Um, but did that give you a boost to let you know to remind you that of that fact, I, or did you just already know? I, I feel like I already knew a little bit. Um, okay. The year okay. prior okay. in twenty twenty, we we did pretty good. I was riding with JD Beach. He was on he was on an HSBK bike, and I remember being up right. there with him, and I was like, "Holy shit!" I, I've been watching this kid, or he's not a kid. He's a, a, a full grown man. But I, I remember watching JD when I was a kid. And I, and like, right. Oh my gosh, I, I'm racing with JD, and like, I I've known about that, and even we'll go back as far as 2019. I had battles with SDK at Barber before I watered my brains up on the R6, and I remember racing against Hayden Gillum. I I passed Hayden um one of the races, and we, we were talking about it afterwards, and he was like, "Dude, you were you were fucking on it." Like I had to come up with some shit to try and figure out whatever you were doing, and. I was a turning point at some point when I was on the 600, but I feel like it's always been there and I just got to get back to it. Is, uh, is super bikes in your future? You think for sure, for sure. I, my, my goal this for this year was to get up on a stock 1000 bike. Um, I, I like to ride with a lot of patience and I feel like that's the way you got to ride a super bike. And I'm learning to, um, talk to my, my team better and to, uh, make adjustments to the bike. I feel like I did that really good with the R7, which was, which is a mini superbike. There was so much that we could change with that thing. And um, at the end of it with Melissa and Evan, I feel like we had that thing dialed and we were going in the right direction. That's cool, man. Well, um, is your Simcoe is asking, Chris uh, from Pen the Gas is asking this, is your riding style a little bit different from the 750 to the 600? Uh, no, not a whole lot. Um, I definitely have to be more patient with the 750 though. Like I was saying with that throttle, I struggled with that, but we're going to work that out. 
And then um, there's another question about Laguna Seca. Um, I don't know the answer to this question, Brian, but he wants to know if, um, you know, they're, they're doing lots of construction up there and um, they're repaving the place. And do I know if they're going to take that dip out of turn six or are they going to leave it because it's kind of a character? I actually kind of like that dip. Oh, for sure. Uh, that's right? something I, I... I love G in the bike out right there, dude. Everyone talks... Like, you just said specialist. That's the only section of the racetrack that I got on anyone else. Is Everyone else won't pick up the throttle soon enough. I'm wide open before I reach that thing just to make sure that I don't bottom my shit out and crash and turn six. Yeah. Because that just looks like scary oblivion to me. Just... Yeah. I, I like that dip, dude. I kind of use that dip because it's like a little bit of a bank on it, kind of. Like, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just weird. I don't know. But you and hopefully me they don't take that dip out, dude. That'll change the whole setting, right? Like, come on, man. Stop being a pussy. It's, yeah, like, it. it's like taking sorry, out the corkscrew. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like, yeah, let's just take... Or, you know, they back in the day, they used to talk about throwing a chicane on the back straightaway at Willow. Like... That would just ruin the whole thing. Yeah. You know? Slow things down, probably make it a little safer, but it would be it would suck. Yeah, who would go? <laughs> yeah, why you know, why would why would a place like Willow exist if you can't put your knee down in six gear with the throttle to the stop? Like what I mean, come on, dude. Yeah. Um Yeah. So yeah, he's he uh Brian apparently likes my answer too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So um yeah, man, I let me let me browse the comments really quick just to make sure that we're we're good here. Yeah, dude, I I think we're good, man. Like, uh, dude, I appreciate you jumping on with me, man. This is great. Yeah. This has been actually really fun too because you're real. Like, <laughs> thanks for having me. I, I I had an absolute blast. And hey, we've come a long way from sitting at a little booth in Willow Ranch, right over there by a uh, Button Willow, you know, with Chris McGuire by the by the Rochi Rochi Motels in Button Willow. Yeah, right there by that Motel Six and everything. Yeah, and just come a long way since then. Yeah, I mean, the only unfortunate thing is you have to run those Dunlops again. You know, like you're, you know, I always will think of you as a Pirelli guy. Oh you know? yeah, you know, if Pirelli wants to come in at any time, we'll be more than happy to well, run them. You know, I mean, you can't, though, until they change the rules, right? Uh, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? I wish you the best of luck. I hope to see you on the grid at Daytona. Um, I also hope to see you umbrella boy for Hayden Schultz at Daytona. Um, that will be amazing if that happens. And um, I appreciate you for the T-shirt idea. Um, I'll I'll send you I'll send you design pics as soon as I get them from Irina. Oh man. But um yeah, it's going to be fun. Thank you for that. And uh, dude, best of luck this year. I'll be rooting for you, man, even though you are on a Suzuki. I'll still be rooting for you cuz you're homies from California, so. Thank you, Dustin. I appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Yeah, man. All right, buddy. All right. Thanks. Peace. <laughs>